McLeod. Mm. O. M. Me. This is like uber creepy, Scoop. Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, Dad. Oh, Dad. Oh, Everybody to Supernatural the Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Michael Flores. And once again, Ryan Denton is back in studio. Hey! You were missed. No, I wasn't. No, you weren't. But I like to give you that idea. Thanks, man. <laughs> Even though I knew that you were lying. <laughs> Thank you. It's the thought that counts. I was going to say, it's the holidays season, right? It's the thought that counts. Yeah, sure. And I thought about you once when you were gone. Wow. That's enough, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this episode is Season 14, Episode 4, Mint Condition. And going into this one, there was a fair amount of hype. It had been promoted during Helatus that we would be getting a throwback-style episode inspired by the 80s-style slasher movies. Right. Which have been recently super fucking popular again due to the success of Halloween, the reboot sequel I don't even know what you would technically call it at that point, but a uh, requel, a cash grab, right? A cash, That's yeah, yeah. There you go, a cash grab. But due to the popularity of the new sequel, Halloween, that has kind of come back into the limelight. Some of these slasher movies. There's talk about other ones coming, returning with a sequel, retcon, reboot thing, right. like Nightmare on Elm Street, and they've they tried some of that with Friday the Thirteenth, but I could easily see this becoming the next thing for Halloween, essentially. And that honestly couldn't have been better timing for this episode because of that, though. Yeah, it was it was good timing for this episode to come out kind of right after that uh, Halloween coming out. Like a in, week in, Yeah, like so. a week. Like two I mean, weeks it, it's most. smart. I mean, it just, it was, it was a smart time frame for this to come out uh, in general. You know, everyone, at least I noticed this year that the, the Halloween... Uh, atmosphere was a lot more uh, alive alive than it was last year. And it worked out really well for Supernatural. I mean, every one thing that they've done a great job with is over the 14 years that they've been doing this show, they've always to have, have managed to have at least one episode garner a lot of media attention. Last yeah. season we had the Scooby-Doo episode is, is like the perfect example where there's so many articles talking about that and excitement about that. Right. That they were able to capitalize on that mainstream buzz and people tune in. People who don't watch the show or or people who haven't watched the show for years for whatever reason. Got excited tuned again. in for that. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways this episode could be that. Whether or not you're a fan of Supernatural, I have a, fan, a friend who absolutely loves the style of 
80 slasher movies. He's he could easily watch this and have a good time not knowing fuck all else about supernatural about supernatural yeah. and enjoy it. So they did a really good job with that and 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 tying it all in together. It's fucking luck, frankly, because even if you did time, you didn't know it was going to be a hit. Right. But it worked out well. And there have been a lot of people talking positively about this episode so much so that there's the fact the idea that we might get another one like this. Oh. Probably not this season, understandably, but maybe a sequel episode to this one well, they, for next year. And they kind of tease that. They ended it in a way that maybe be a sequel, well, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, obviously, it had that classic slasher film ending where he's defeated, sort of, not really. We're going to leave it open-ended so he could come back with whatever magic reasoning we come up with. Which, I mean, that you kind of had to have that ending going into this style if you're going to make pay homage to that. Yeah, well, I mean, the all the, 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 the Halloween movies or Jason Voorhees, they all had that kind of cliffhanger ending where it's like, oh, my God. It's he's a staple of the genre. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. And Eamon Catterally and Davey Perez did a fantastic job with this episode. It was... It was one of those episodes that has a little bit of everything that we love from Supernatural, whether that's the classic horror or the homage to film, the the nuanced aspect of it's not just somebody who's writing or directing this episode that's doing a job, but they actually have passion and and enjoy the the inspiration. Yeah. For what they wrote. Well, well, not only that, but you also it was it was filled with Sam and Dean and their kind of dorky side of both of Which them. Which we love seeing. Yeah, we like seeing that. So I think, you know, you you pair up a slasher type, you know, with all the slasher nuances and 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 funny, you know, kind of cheesy or over the top themes and then you've got Sam and Dean being their dorky selves, which, you know, we don't we get to see it every now and then. Obviously, we get to see it a little bit more than we did in the first you know, first season, at least season one through five, we didn't get to see them be super dorky like we do kind of now. It was a lot more serious. There's a lot more serious tone of things going on at that point. But yeah, we do get to see that. And Davey Perez did a fantastic job bringing some of that light humor to this episode. Right. While also touching on the emotional human part that I think was a big improvement from this same style of episode that happened last season. Right. And we'll discuss that later throughout. But it was a fun episode. Whether or not you were a fan of Supernatural, if you liked, as I said, these horror movies in any way, there's a lot of Easter eggs throughout this one and cool connections to some other fandoms, some other horror movies. And each one of those you can appreciate on its own without having to know 14 right. years of backstory right. for this show. Right. And we'll we'll get into each one of those a little bit here at the end of the discussion. So there's a lot with this episode, but first, as always, we're going to get into some news, which is during a recent EW, uh, Entertainment Weekly Q&A, Jensen and Jared said that the Michael situation will change the lore of Supernatural and everything we think we know will no longer apply. Uh, the quote says, all of the lore and all of the dad's journals, all of the research is going to pretty much get challenged and become a moot point for season 14, Eccles said, with Padalecki adding that it's all useless now. That is huge. So let's just retcon everything. I don't, I, here's the thing, though. I don't feel like it is going to be a retcon so much. It feels like so far this season has done a good job of putting the place, the pieces together, a building block style 
for season 14 where we take a little bit of what we saw in the previous episode, it builds mm-hmm. to the mystery, and we we keep adding to this overall picture. I think we already have a few pieces of that. The fact that werewolves are, have been souped up and vampires have been cured of their weaknesses essentially is the first clue we get to this, that the the old, you have to use silver, you cut their heads off and you're good. None of that will apply moving forward. Yeah, and we've had a Patreon show where we discuss the the lore changes and how it does work from time to time for shows to to give it longevity. And this is something Mix things up, yeah. Something Sarah Gamble did during season 6 and some of season 7 were filled with changes to lore, soft retcons, all of which explained uh, by including various key moments into various episodes. So it wasn't just, hey, we're going to forget something. They Here's usually they gave a reason as to why it was changed. And like you just mentioned with the vampire situation and the werewolf situation, and I, I think we Presumably. can assume all other monsters or at least monsters that were um, major ins- players that were in sync with Michael's plan, I mm-hmm. guess, or whatever his plan is. This is how you do it. If you need to change it up, and add add longevity to your show and bring back the classics and make them a viable threat again, then there is going to be a little bit of uh, some rebooting of sorts of the lore. As long as it's done uh, with the mindset of it being clever and not contrived and it actually makes sense, then it works. And it's about risk. It's about taking risk. That's something that we've said from the very beginning of this season. We're only four episodes in. And it seems like Dab is willing to take risks that are similar to Gamble. Gamble was willing to make some decisions, some calls that didn't were not popular. They were not popular. Yeah. And uh, but in retrospect, when you go back and watch what she did with the shows, turning Castile into a villain, killing him off in season seven. Did it help the show? Absolutely. Those are actually mm-hmm. some of the highlights. The, the risks she took were actually some of the highlights of her her run as a showrunner. So if Dab is borrowing from the same playbook and he's saying, hey, you know what? Enough of this internet. I'm not going to listen to That's them anymore. Huge. I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to create a way to keep Dean MIA for essentially two fucking episodes. And now I'm going to reinvent the fucking monster wheel. That's great. What it what it does by resetting all the monsters and making them immune to things that they weren't immune to before or making them or resetting them and making them more powerful is now what you're doing is you're making it more of a, it becomes scarier for Sam and Dean instead of being so they're a uh, threat again. They're a threat again. They're exactly right. And I think that's, that's, we don't know what to expect. right? Exactly. And that's the most important part. I mean, we always talk about it when demons first showed up, it was like, Holy fuck a demon. What are we going to do now? It's like, Oh, demon, you're dead. Like, so now by resetting monsters, you've Mm -hmm. added that it's basically playing a video game and you get to the next level. And now there's the (laughs) The new boss. There's a new unlocked new enemy types (laughs) and they're stronger. Exactly. And I, and that's the way, that's the way that I think it's a smart way of doing it i love what you said about demons because that it does further push the point this season said fuck off demons and angels i'm gonna make we're gonna make monsters be the the focal point of their low level army level threat Mm -hmm. right by having the lore completely change while michael is our one of presumably our major overarching bad guys not only does this set up a table for potentially a different bad guy because we, we we have rumors and believe it to be Nick for obvious fucking reasons. Right. But there's also the potential of a different monster or some kind of new hybrid super powered monster could be a threat. It all of that 
sets the table perfectly. It's again, those building blocks. And I like what you said, Mike, it's, it hasn't been done since essentially gambles run. That's huge. One of our biggest complaints with season 13 and even some of most of 12 doesn't feel like they're pushing the envelope was they weren't pushing the envelope. Everything was, Oh, don't worry. Everybody comes back. Death is meaningless. What do you guys want to see next week? We'll listen to Twitter and put it into the show. And we started to get that. It felt a little fan fictiony, whereas gamble did take risks. And if dab is going to do some similar ploys where we're going to change the lore, we're going to shake up the show for better or for worse. That is huge. That changed supernatural in season six and you right? have to you have to purgatory and 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 hell yeah. being a whole other thing monsters are a whole other universe of afterlife right that's huge all right so let's pose the question then thomas and ryan in order for this to be remembered first off i think most of us can agree right i think all of us can agree that gamble's greatest achievement was possibly the reinvention of monsters the alpha among others there's a few other things One that she of brought her in. strengths we've talked about that in in detail yeah but yeah. one of her strengths was the was the alpha moment kind of reinventing the monsters now in order for this risk this big change to be remembered as a positive if dab's legacy is going to be remembered as a positive what are the do's and don'ts of this reinvention or this restructuring of lore um if if you're gonna restructure okay and and again i'm going to use the video game analogy because it, it works in this situation if you're going to restructure, you cannot, you absolutely cannot jump the shark. And by, by doing mm-hmm. that, you cannot make the monsters ludicrously overpowered right yeah. off the bat. If you're going to make, if you're going to change it up, you know, they've been, and so far, this is what I've noticed is that they've made them much more subtle changes. By what I mean by that is like, yeah. oh, the, the vampires, those so, uh, or the werewolves, the silver bullets don't work anymore. Right, you didn't predator yeah. them, where you yeah. now have predator monsters, predator dogs, and predator cats, and predator foxes. It, it, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. And I think that that's the biggest thing for me. Make well, it, a hand make, gesture, like Row. make it believable. <laughs> make make vampires daywalkers, or make change right. things that change that one, feeds into my idea. Things that make sense to the monster thing. itself. Yeah. So, yes. like you know, with with the werewolf, now they can change on command or change when they want to, not in, only in a full moon. That there's, which I think that's. 100% piggybacking off your idea. It has to be still unique to the monster. To the monster, right. You can't have them all become some kind of homunculus version where they Define all homunculus. A mix mash I don't even know how to spell that. A mix mash of different pieces. A Frankenstein monster. It can't be they all have the same powers or they're all kind of just flesh-eating, day-walking monstrosities now. Right. Which, which Gamble kind of toyed with that idea with Eve making new monsters. But you're right, Ryan. You need to have vampires that can walk in the day and not worry. Werewolves that can change on command. If you make them better but still keep their individual aspects that made them cool, that's a big win, I think. I think if you do that, that now you've made, again, I I said it earlier, you make them a a, a bigger threat where now Sam and Dean are relearning what they have to do to kill these monsters. And I think that makes it, A, fun for us because now Monsters of the Week, you go back to a vampire being the Monster of the Week, but it's not... A joke. It's not a joke. And it's we like, don't fuck. know what to expect. Exactly. We don't know what to expect. So yeah. now it's like, holy shit. And then what you do is as this progresses, you, you give Michael, maybe he experiments a little bit more. And, and makes, they get worse. And they get worse and worse and worse. Instead of like, you don't just full bore right to worse. Oh, what if, and this is something I think would be cool too. 
with that idea of them getting worse. We loved the feral vampires in the right. apocalypse universe. What if we see more animalistic? The farther Michael pushes it, the, the more beast-like the yes. werewolves become or yes. the more well, Nosferatu Or maybe vampire some look. minstrel vampires. What's, oh, uh, what? I'm just saying. What if Michael reinvented them that way? I'm the one that's supposed to have terrible I, jokes. Just, that was bad, Mike. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm that's thinking why you're that, laughing. They only feed <laughs> once a month. They only feed once a month and it's only for three days. That was terrible. And they need a large pad. <laughs> they need a large pad to feed. Um, no, I think well, well, I another... People listen they to have to be careful know. because their their main food source is cranky as well. Around that time. <laughs> I think the only other thing that I think would be neat filthy is... Filthy animals. terrible. This is a network full of filthy animals. <laughs> I think in, the other thing that would be kind of neat too, and, and this goes off kind of playing off the whole underworld vibe, is maybe a, maybe hybrids. If he started to like, oh, that'd be cool. started to do it something a little bit different where he's, you know, like uh, within it, reason, within reason, not anything crazy, but like how they did Michael in underworld where he was half like in half oh, vampire. Yeah. And it was, it was, see, I thought that was cool. It wasn't, it, of course it was a vampire half werewolf, but it wasn't it completely worked, over the top for what we were watching. And I think yeah. that's more important to me is that first of all, you can't make these so over the top that Sam and Dean can't fight them. Because if that's the if you yeah. did that, then it's fucking worthless. But as long as Dark Kaya can kill them, then I think we're okay. <laughs> right, right. She's just chopping people's heads off and stuff. But I think this is it's just not a bad thing necessarily. I just think it's a bet. There's got to be a certain way to do it. It's another element to his legacy that we'll have to see as the years go on. Yeah. But with that, we're gonna take a qu- no. Okay. I picked the wrong song. <laughs> I was like, what is going on right now? You gotta pick the right song, man. This is the right. We're going to a break, Thomas. We're going to a break. We'll be right back. Jesus Christ. All right, this is what we're gonna do. Next year, we're doing Halloween right. Okay? I'm thinking matching outfits like uh, Batman and Robin. No. Bert and Ernie. No. That's weird. Yes. Uh,. Rocky Bullwinkle. Dean. Shaggy and Scooby. Why would we... Turner and Hooch. <sighs> Ren and Stimpy. Come on up. Thelma and Louise. And Thelma and... We'll just put it in drive and go. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. I'm sure Facebook memories have led... It's possibly led to many suicides at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... If you ever want to just feel unfulfilled with your life, just pay attention to those memories. They will always make you feel great. Yeah. Yeah. Remembering that nine years ago, you had a promising future. <laughs> and suddenly you realize you're, you're in the sh- you live within the shadow of your former self in both achievements and looks. Where has it all gone wrong? Hey, Mike, 10 years ago, you were much better looking. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Facebook. I appreciate that. Something's got to be done about those memories, though. It's annoying. I wish you could turn it. I it it's not it annoying. It's depressing, Thomas. You're not listening. Well, mine can, are annoying. Yours are depressing. I can de- wait till you're 40. <laughs> wait till you're 35, 36, and you saw, uh, you know, a photo. Hey, nine years ago, Mike, you uh, were producing a film. Thank you, Facebook. I know that. <laughs> you would think they would also come out with an algorithm or come up with an algorithm and that also knows which are good memories and which are bad memories. They have to be more selective because they choose bad memories. I think it's almost on purpose. One of my friends from a film committed suicide about 12 years ago. 
and they reminded me as if it was a good memory. Remember, Paul? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, yes, I do remember, Paul. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Have you missed an episode of DC on CW? If you have, this is what you've missed. Yeah. Sure, son. And story over. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we're gonna need like thirty-five more minutes of cape shit. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Would that no. have been a doozy of an episode? Tell you what. Why didn't they just do that? Training montage cape. From a cape now. Try to get some bad guys down on the ground and throw them up into the air and knock someone out. Really good on the improv. <laughs> I am beyond impressed right now. <laughs> good Damn. job. Good like job. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, that would have been. <laughs> I don't even know what to do now. I feel like we're done. Well, Bye. 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 Bye, guys. Have a good night. Mike, I got the next promo. <laughs> Don't miss DC on CW every week on Rain Man Digital, covering topics from Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Get more Supernatural The Crossroads every month with the Patreon-exclusive shows. Retrospective reviews starting with the very first season, specialty shows, bonus discussions with additional thoughts and topics not included in the regular show. By subscribing, you help us maintain the quality of our show, and it keeps us in the studio. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and subscribe. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. How that episode ended for him sure. coughing up blood. That's ominous as fuck. Yeah. Uh, He's got cancer. Oh, God. No angel powers turns Nephilim's body into half he got cancer. TB. <laughs> Tuberculosis. I don't know. It was 18th. 1800s England? Yeah, but you got to remember that he's traveling to different universes. They don't have shots. There's they no immunization <laughs> for him. Yes. There's no inoculation that can help him out. I got space aids or something like that. I got I got apocalypse HIV. <laughs> There's a lot of smoke in that air. You I don't know what he was breathing in, man. With, you know, with the vampires just eating everybody, blood dripped on my dick, and I got oh. the give. Some reason you Where are your pants For off? some reason, Jack's now a broken down hillbilly. I know, right? Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Ryan, can you give us a synopsis for Season 14, Episode 4, Mint Condition? Sure, Thomas. I can read one sentence. Thank you. Sam finds a case that brings Dean face-to-face with his favorite movie villain, Hatchet Man. Now, again, this one was written by Davy Perez and directed by Eamon Catterally. Catterally directed in season 12, Ladies Drink for Free, season 13, Breakdown, one of our, I think maybe that was our favorite episode from that season. I believe so. And uh, Bring Him Back Alive. And Davy Perez, we've talked about his writing on this show so much. This is his first episode of the season. And we're starting with him. He really truthfully is a lot like Eric Eric Kripke. Now, that might that that's might get some people, that's a ballsy statement there Colin, but that's quite that's quite the risk you took. I know it is, but 
it is honestly it's true this is something mike and i talked about off air don't include me in that i did just now before people start freaking out on that one we're not saying he's up to par with Kripke in the same respects. He's However, not a veteran yet. He's not, he's not a veteran yet. That's simply an experience thing. However, the guy understands cinema. He loves film. And he has the cool factor down. Yes. He he doesn't... He doesn't look like a dweeb? He doesn't look like a dweeb. True, but it's, it's not a question that he knows his shit. He can pull off that cool factor and he enjoys film. He is a true aficionado of pop culture as well. And he has showed us this numerous times across multiple episodes that he understands the pop culture yeah. references. That's that's a part of the supernatural supernatural genre. Supernatural. I was trying to up it. You were up trying to up it, right? Supernatural. supernatural. <laughs> I was trying to. Make did your pinky, did your pinky come out when you said that? Supernatural. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he chubbed up a little as he said it. Gross. <laughs> Anyways, yes, I uh, was giving you shit, but I do agree. I feel like out of all the writers on staff currently, Davy Perez can can easily be conf- what, what, am I not easily be easily be. I'm just gonna go with it. Oh, just use your English Michael accent. Is on the Jesus. show tonight. Uh, I'm struggling with. Uh, <laughs> Did you just like? I think I'm uh, transitioning into an English person. <laughs> Uh, no, I get what you're saying, and I agree. He feels like he could be an OG writer from seasons one through five. We're not really saying does. we're not saying that he is crip key in terms of full on skill, but he does have those similar traits. And I am looking forward and cannot wait to see how this writer grows. He's the one to watch. Absolutely, right now. without we've, a doubt. We've made it very clear that we love Robert Barons. He is somebody who will go on to do his own thing. We saw that starting with Wayward Sisters, the attempted spinoff, and he was going to lead that. We know he's capable. Mm -hmm. Davey Perez has been relatively new. I mean, only since season 12. And almost every one of his episodes has blown us away in one respect or another. And and it's very clear that he loves and respects the series. Yes. The series' early years and understands the importance of bridging the new with the old. And that's the key there. You get the sense that this guy doesn't feel like, hey, you know what? I'm going to just reinvent the wheel and I'm going to change it up and make this my own. He makes it his own, but also remembers the past. Respects it. And respects it. And I think that concept that quality of him is what makes him the one to watch his career moving forward yeah because if he can respect and bring new life into something that has been running for as long as it has Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what his style can do with his own original idea that he eventually gets to run himself yeah so because he rekindles my love for the early seasons of supernatural he does i mean look at the last three episodes he did breakdown the thing and now this episode uh, mint condition three episodes that are a filmmaker's dream come true wet dream oh, it really <laughs> is it really is and it's very much feels like a like a hearkening back to the older years well his very first episode american nightmare we praised that because it was dark and yep. it felt very much like something straight out of season one yes every year there's at least one or two episodes from him that that blows us away yeah and we end up like just going bonkers talking mm-hmm. about it yeah and yep. again you know davy perez and robert barons right now are easily andrew dab's secret weapons Without they're the doubt. best tools in his toolbox yep they should be utilized as best as they can and as often as they can i think just because again he pays 
so much respect to the show. And this episode is proof of that. I mean, while it on the surface, it might be kind of a simplistic, fun episode, a good time. When you really look deeper, there is more important aspects to our character's development. And more importantly, the psychological health of some of the characters this season. The, and that honestly, the one episode we talked about in the pre-show, for those of you who watched it, was Davy Perez's other episode that tried to do this same style of thing. The the post-horrific life aftermath episode, Tombstone in season 13, tried this but kind of missed the mark. This episode was a big improvement over that because it it got over the awkward hump of how do we move past a traumatic incident or when our character is in such a negative place and have fun. Last season's Tombstone had a little bit of a problem with this due to some leaps of logic we were asked to take, forgetting that Dean was literally suicidal during the previous episode. And then all of a sudden he's having a great time Hey man, look at the Cowboys, shoot him up, you know, goofball. Yeah. That was a big transition. And I wouldn't doubt because, because Davey is a very, very capable writer. Most capable writers are able to assess where they made a mistake. And I wouldn't doubt if he went back and looked at Tombstone, he says, shit. Yeah. This episode feels like it's out of left field when it comes to Dean and where he's currently at. And this episode shows that type of inner critical assessment because he took he he showed considerable improvement but and we didn't have those same issues those characterizational issues that we had with tombstone with dean this episode did not just simply slip into fun mode no but they used sam in a way that would make sense to bait dean into getting out of his room and becoming Uh more productive it was all very well thought out thought it was very well. You suck, <laughs> dude. You're you terrible I'm tonight. To, I'm just going to turn my mic off. And uh, you're um, fucking terrible, dude. I'm just done. I'm done. Later. <laughs> it Bye. was it was the stereotypical brother kind of poking at his brother to get him to get up and do something. There was mm-hmm. there was there was it was the Can quint- you poke your brother. I don't have a brother, so it was quintessential. <laughs> that was it was dark. Uh, it was quintessential, like you know prodding someone to get them to do what you want them to do or to do something that it wasn't to help them it wasn't yeah it wasn't hey man i know you're really sad about this thing here's a case that'll make you happy no like the heavy exposition it was problem it was a hidden it was how would your brother who knows you and has known you for years press those buttons to get you to be like whoa whoa hold on i'm gonna make the decision to take this case on my own exactly and it's it's a truly an understanding of Sam and Dean. Right. And not just them as characters that we've known for 14 years, but where Sam is right now. Exactly. Yeah. And that was one of our biggest problems with last season as a whole. It just felt very inconsistent. One episode in one episode, you'd have Dean that was very morose. And then suddenly the next episode without really any explanation. No time over. He was happy. In this episode, we didn't simply forget the problems that existed. It was cleverly worked into the narrative in a way that actually reminded us that Dean is not okay, but he's ready to start healing, though. He was doing it in a way where it was, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still not ready, but I'm also shackled in my room eating pizza. 
Well, I mean, and who it, doesn't want to do that? Exactly. But I think it was it was smart how they did it. And especially the fact that, uh, you know, he, he even made the point like, yeah, there's a bunch of strangers in the bunker, too, as well. He mm-hmm. made it a point to, to, to say, hey, I'm not really feeling that either. Well, and it's I, very much Dean. Exactly. Dean is, yep. nope, nothing's wrong. We're going to not talk about it and move forward. That's Dean from Kripke's era of season one through five. Even that is a is a is a proof of the attention to detail that Davey took with this exactly. episode because he didn't even forget to mention that in the previous episode we saw twenty five thousand hunters mm-hmm. in the bunker. If this was last season, they wouldn't have even brought that to attention. They would have brought that to our attention. They would just would have said, off. "We would have just been like, well, what happened to everyone? Are they out doing a mission?" Yeah, are they gone? Just last week, the entire bunker was filled up. Yeah. So this episode just shows a considerable amount of improvement over the, I want to say almost like a sister episode, which was Tombstone in, in almost every in single way. In a lot of ways, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And because you're right, the, the Tombstone one did kind of gloss over all the problems we had just last week. All the fun minus the substance is what Tombstone was. Right. This is all the fun plus the substance. Right. And especially because back in the old day, Dean would have glossed over things and hid away in he the Impala shut, yep. and just that they would have just been on the road. That yeah, was their yep. home. Now that they actually have the bunker, he literally hides in his room to drown himself in the things that he loves, which is slasher movies, pizza, you know, you know, probably busty Asian beauties. But I mean, look, if I locked myself in the room, I'd be taking turns. I, I'd be, yeah. Slasher be, flick. Red tube. Some porno. Slasher yeah. flick. Porno. Porno. Porno slasher flick. Flick. Yeah, what do you mean now? Uh, apparently yeah, the fake. inability to speak is contagious. contagious. It's <laughs> contagious. Mike's Mike got me with his with my fake with his, British accent. Yes. What am I, Lady Gaga and Madonna? I just uh, suddenly form a, uh, a an accent that doesn't exist. Wait, you're supposed to be moving to Canada, aren't you? Soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. But but you're right, Mike. This is an episode still with that substance. I mean, at the end of the episode, he mentions he knew what Sam was up to. Mm-hmm. He knew the entire time. We still get that reference that he was drowning while being possessed by Michael and he hasn't forgotten it. He won't forget it. Yeah. Touching on that aspect is huge and it's something that Tombstone really missed because the end of that episode ended up being about Jack. Well, what what yeah, the, yes. the the drowning analogy reminded me of is, you know, we we forget that Dean spent an equivalent of 60 something years in hell. Right. And it's something that we always we I I don't I wouldn't say every season, but we do see a lot of those flashbacks of him in hell. After it happened and throughout that mm-hmm. season, I think that was what season four end of season three. Yeah, yeah. Season four. So we see that a lot. And I think that's another thing that's stuck in Dean's mind. And I think this whole drowning aspect and he didn't obviously didn't tell us what it felt like in the lapse of time. But I guess if you feel like you're drowning, even any time, any time, a, a month or however long, you know, Michael was inside of him. It would approximately. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, can you imagine spending a month of your time feeling like you're drowning? So, fighting for every moment for every no. moment yeah and so i mean it's something that you a you can't blame him for forgetting but it always i kind of made me think of when he was in hell and how he had to torture people and he would never forget that moment and i think that was it made it especially it's like a similar a, guilt it's a similar guilt yeah and it, it comes back into the main story despite having fun which is why i think this episode was really strong because perez and amen Catarelli found the appropriate balance between fun and serious moments in this episode. If I didn't know any better, I would think John Shyban wrote this and Kim Manners 
directed from years ago yeah from season one that's the type of episode this felt like because you in the earlier seasons you always had that fun balanced with the scary balanced with the the very serious moments where we learn something about our heroes that's why this episode resonated with me so so much and and the fact that Eamon is uh quickly becoming one of my my favorite directors on this series not just a favorite director but i love when him and davy perez team up it, he really understands his scripts, can bring them to life. Their episodes are solid, man. Not not a knock against any other director or no. writer, but like just that that pairing seems to really work. It's a good team up. And it's it's where this mix of having some fun from pop culture being thrown in with aspects of Sam and Dean's childhood and who they are as people now and having fun with it are things that we loved from the very early years of Supernatural. I mean, the fact that they're making fun of each other, like, oh, that's your body double in yeah. the comic shop. <laughs> dude, that was I mean, so funny, on. dude. It was obvious as hell, but it's still, I'm still chuckling as they're doing it. it Sam flips his hair over. She the does ear, the just same as thing. She does it. She's wearing plaid just as Sam does. All right. Did she look like Genevieve? A little Sam's bit. Sam's wife. He probably A tagged little bit. it. Oh, come oh. on. He's like, you're my younger version of my yeah. wife. Oh, you're much younger. You look, at, you look at my wife. It doesn't matter. It's you just want another cheating, role in Supernatural? Like, Why don't you what? come here, baby? Oh, my God. Oh, dude. Come on. Not, not in this era. You want a recurring Jesus. role, baby? Hey, Ryan, not in this social climate, okay, bro? <laughs> <laughs> no, but little touches like that. And then little Dean's touches. got the... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I walked into that one. You absolutely I was walked. Just, I was hoping to get through the sentence. No, nope, you said it. Yeah. God damn it. You should know better. Little details like that. What were some of your favorite funny moments, Thomas? Uh, the, when Dean is pressing the button on the wax figurine, yep. the wax statue, whatever mm-hmm. it was, that was a personal favorite. Just how childish he was acting. I legitimately have done that. I legitimately have like when I worked at the comic book shop, I would we get new stuff in. Wait, what did you do? When I worked at the comic book mm-hmm. shop. Did you ever steal a Thundercat? I never stole a Thundercat. <laughs> because that guy was. That uh, was you. That's dude. you. And we let's and, take a minute. Yeah, let's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because let me zoom in on Ryan here. Oh my god! Because after the episode aired, Ryan, no joke, I was hit with at least a dozen. No, you were not. Yes, yes. No, uh, you come on. It's on our Facebook page. It's on Twitter. It's on Twitter. I I did not. Not see even those including tags. the DMs, the people that are are obviously kind of afraid of you to to say that. But they're like, was this episode? Wait, written? they're afraid that I would troll them, or probably what? yes, yeah. because well, like, you're Stuart, you're a troll yeah. apparently on all things internet. Look, various people, Ryan said, was <laughs> this episode named. based on Ryan Denton? And I didn't know what they were talking about at first because I didn't watch the show until the morning. Right. And okay. Maggie and I sat down to watch. And the first thing she said, without me giving her any nudging or any like little elbows, wink, wink, she looked at me and said, holy fuck, this is Ryan Denton. <laughs> and then suddenly I knew what everybody was talking about uh-huh. because not only does it look like you, he acts like you. Uh-huh. His mannerisms are just like you. His video game elitist hobbies mentality is like you. Yeah, but I don't His live in my hobbies. mom's basement. But that's because you have a you good still, job. But if you didn't have a good job, you would be living in your father's basement. No, and I would not. For? Oh, come on. <laughs> that doesn't count. It, it counted to me. And I too... <laughs> it counted to you. I too got messages and I didn't understand the reference 
until I watched it. Ryan's pretending like he doesn't and see it, but he moment, knows he sees it. By the moment the guy who got I, excited I about the Thundercats was like, holy I fuck. Just don't, I just don't see, like, okay, maybe the, the, the trolling, <laughs> like the trolling I get. Okay, I get that. I see that analogy big time. But I don't see, like. You gotta be blind. When, when, no, when they showed up to his house and the, just the straight up, like. He was, a, he was a into, cock, dude. You That's got you. pissy when people were playing Fortnite because it doesn't take as much skill as PUBG. It's true, it doesn't. Oh Fortnite, Fortnite's a terrible game. <laughs> Exhibit A. It's a terrible game. Let's not even let's not bring attention uh, no. to it. Just let's just set him up and he will prove our point. Because there's no way Ryan did not sit down and watch that episode uh-huh. and did not think he was looking at a mirror for at least a few moments. I so I looked at it I looked at it this way, okay? I looked at it that there are yes, of course there are some similarities. Okay? <laughs> There's some similarities. It's okay? Like the fucking DNA. <laughs> like First of all, I think you have a lawsuit. He's a touch. I, I think I think you have a chance at winning a lawsuit. That's how close he was. Just he's to make a touch character. He's a touch fatter than me, so they portrayed oh, me wow. a little bit fatter. Just saying, but that was a fat he wasn't fat. He was actually, in, in your credit, I'll say he's he was a, probably a good looking dude, right? He wasn't, he wasn't ugly. Yeah. He wasn't ugly. Uh, yeah, but he was, he's why don't right. you think he was ugly, right? Because it looks like. Right. <laughs> I, I, I told I don't you, know. always do set them up. And yeah, do I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not sure I see it. I'm not sure I see it. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I never Did saw... Did you work at a comic book shop before? Th- maybe they need to come out. Maybe the... the How many the, collectibles do you have? I think the producers... Did you steal for me? <laughs> the producers... <laughs> that's... <laughs> see, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say anything there. Now, the producers now, this is going to be like, if you know, for Chuck becoming God, they're going to have to come out. The producers are going to have to come oh, out and say they stole my likeness for oh me to acknowledge, God. for me to acknowledge I'm that it was like together me. an awesome, elaborate song when they do. I, and it, hey, look, <laughs> Davey Perez, if you're listening, please, I'm, I'm just, just saying, change his name to Ryan Denton somehow. I'm like, just in saying episode. that ever since we found RD. out that Chuck was actually God. I've owned up to it. So if they come out and say that is we this base this, we have to fucking prove to you. Yes, you it's another thing right you have to prove to me. That sounds it, like what Stuart I would need, say. I needed, I needed a new thing. I needed something new to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to not fucking, <laughs> to not believe. And this is it. I found it. I found my new supernatural uh, thing that I don't believe. Well, you're wrong. I mean, I, it's to the point that I, think, I was legitimately, uh, let me wondering. Look. I gotta look this because I really listen. don't. Do you have that that uh, image, Mike? I'm looking. Oh up. yeah, you know what? <laughs> Give me a second. Someone sent you an image? Uh, no, I may have made one. Oh quick, my quick, god! Quick side by side, nothing special. To Wait, show. Give me a second. I'm gonna use? post it on our Facebook page to show the truth. The truth to those non-believers, Ryan. In this episode, it's not me, dude. He just took a photo from your public it's exactly, feed. It's your it's your own Facebook picture. Next wow, to his. You stole a picture off my face. On a public forum, yeah. Well, Davey Perez <laughs> stole your likeness and your personality. <laughs> so does that mean and your beard? So, no, oh, my beard. Well, he stole that off my face. Maybe that's where Ryan really, really was this last week. Yeah, it was me. I was I totally... mean, you're gone. This episode airs. You show up. Just saying. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's perfect, dude. I don't think it's true. But outside of ryan being my absolute favorite element of this episode <laughs> which you should be proud of i i personally I'm a, think i'm a douchebag that works at a comic book shop well you said it not me <laughs> wow 
<laughs> I also did love the moment where uh, Hatchet Man is in the street, and then the dude's like, nice costume on Halloween night, oh, and everyone God. thinks it's totally normal. Yeah, that's just normal that there's a dude dressed like that no, walking down the street. I love that homage to those horror movies that did the same style of thing. Right. There's been multiple horror movies that have done that exact joke for a reason, obviously, in this one. Ryan, what were some of your favorite moments in this one? Um, Besides when you showed up. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to self-incriminate now. I can't even say my favorite parts. This is bullshit. No, okay, honestly, come on. Um, I actually, this is the, the, the shot of the, uh, the Thundercock, Thundercat actually coming to the life. Thundercock? Thundercock. Yeah, Thundercock. <laughs> The like Thundercat my, coming to life. That was that actually was a cool. really good shot. That like, was uh, typically when they make like inanimate objects come to life or or move or whatever. They look kind of shitty. That that actually looked really good. So I that shot was awesome. Um, I loved. This is stupid, but I loved all the slasher elements. I love the this the, the girl that's running down the the hallway. There's nothing oh, in the God, way, and the she just co- trips. I've tr- my ankle. Oh my God. Uh. Um, I loved. Uh, just the the hatchet man in general, like it was so cliche. Time to slice and dice, and then he's just swinging his axes for no fucking yeah, reason. Nothing, nothing, too. just air swinging them. Um, I love. I said it earlier, but I love seeing Sam and Dean and their dorkiness. That that Dean is that that guy who loves nerdy shit, but likes to pretend that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I love that Sam is the guy that loves nerdy shit. And, and everyone knows, yeah, and everyone knows that he does, you know. And and I think uh, the explanation of why Sam doesn't like Halloween oh, that was, was pretty was too. pretty funny. Um, I, I love when we get the 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 true brother moments in these shows with him. You know, when they're driving in the car, or like mm-hmm. you know, Dean suggesting next year's Halloween costume. That was funny. There were so many good scenes in this episode, and to be completely honest, a, a filler episode. To have this much fun packed into it, where but again, it wasn't forced. And I know, like Mike said, you know, a lot of the Scooby Doo elements of of the Scooby Doo episode were forced, and it seemed, you know, they they broke a lot right. of, of rules. This didn't break any rules. This was straight up supernatural lore, mm-hmm. you know. And I think they that, worked with it rather than break it over its knee and and just force a story. Then right, and I think that's what I really liked about this episode was that it was very much. Um, stayed in the world of supernatural. It had all those funny slasher tropes that I think, you know, we were looking for. I mean, even the, well, all the stuff they, they alluded to would be happening. All the hype that we got, it, it paid off. Yeah. And, and again, I, the, some of the, epi- just some of the stuff in the comic book shop that made me laugh because I actually experienced that working in the comic book shop. Like theft. we would, yeah, just the, the well, <laughs> theft, but like people in general, like, coming in and, and, and giving you their opinion and telling you that you're wrong because you work at a comic book shop. And you and yelled at them? I would, I'd never yelled at a customer. <laughs> you almost. I never <laughs> yelled at a customer, but I just think it's funny that that's, it's exact, that's exactly how it is. And mm-hmm. I, even though the, the struggling of, you know, Hey, we're struggling, you know, and, and barely it, keeping it, the doors it, open. Yeah. And I think that's every comic book shop in existence is, is, you know, maybe breaking even and not, not making money. And I think that's the, that was a, a very interesting, um, aspect of the of it. very true to life it's very true to life true um, to ryan's life yeah all right i posted the photos where Thank did you, you post them on facebook and also twitter <laughs> it's fantastic mike what were some of your favorite moments personal moments in this episode any anything in particular um 
I liked all of it, honestly, when it comes to the humor. And I'm one of those guys who I usually frown at humor. I, I know that's, that's a given. I just, I feel like sometimes things are just too comedic and it kind of disrupts the tone. But when you can create the perfect balance or the blend of comedy, drama, and, uh, an action, then you have a winner. And this episode did that. It just needs to fit. And it worked in this episode for various reasons. And I have to say that I, I like the, I think my favorite moment when it when it comes to comedy mm-hmm. is definitely when they first walked into the comic book shop and you saw Dean's eyes light up. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, suddenly he was, you a, know, a kid. But also the relevance of what this meant. We already have have spoken time and time again about the fact they didn't even have a childhood, really. Yeah. So yeah. whenever you get these moments, you suddenly see these these two men who especially Dean, who want that. They want their childhood, and they take those little moments to enjoy it. I like it. It's very realistic as well to uh, when you look at other real-life examples of these types of individuals. I know mm-hmm. a few myself, so I wouldn't say it's relatable to me, but I definitely see what they're doing with it. Well, I mean, ultimately why the episode worked, I think, in a lot of ways is that it wasn't simply that it had humor. The 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 funny nature of it it was that it was all done with a purpose as well which is one of the strengths of Kripke which is why we say that Davy Perez does seem to remind us of a younger earlier in his career Kripke it wasn't just a gimmick episode that was fun but it and and allowed us to blow off some steam or or recoup from the last couple of episodes of Mm -hmm. heavy serious shit but it was also strategic in how it showed where Dean was at and it also showed where Sam's at his maturity level yeah I mean this is a guy right now where Sam's at that rivals the same pre-apocalypse version it's very different from where he was at he is now the leader in in every facet of the way in this episode we see how he deals with his brother in a clever way that isn't patronizing but gets Dean out of the house he's we see him talk to I can't remember the, the character's name on the phone do you remember his name Mm-mm. ah the other hunter essentially giving him tips and making sure that everyone's no, no no not Garth he was on the phone I don't remember Some of them with it, an was R. A, it was a random hunter it was some new guy one of the new apocalypse hunters but having him give him details oh, you're talking about recently yeah yeah on how to stay safe and making sure everyone's doing the same thing he has gone from simply wanting to save lives as best he can, what he personally can do to teaching people how to save lives, multiplying that number of hunters, especially after the British middle letters wiped out or, or converted a lot of them in season 12, he's helping bring a new generation of hunters into the fold, help make them better, smarter, do things safer than they would have before or that they're used to. Well, Before. isn't this the best way to save people? Making sure they are equipped and prepared physically and psychologically. It, that's the signs of a leader. You, you don't want to just coddle them. Teach them how to take care of themselves. And I think when you look at Sam and where he's come from, he's grown a lot. In seasons four and five, he put everyone at risk to stop the apocalypse by trusting Ruby and having that... Who wouldn't trust Ruby? Well, you know, mm. and having that... that <laughs> I trust her to take get dick down. Oh, oh Jesus. Tr- having that 
teenage, naive, I can do it myself. I don't need anyone's help because I have the psychic powers and it's my responsibility yeah. of seasons four and five. And now understanding the, you know, hubris of that. Yeah. The, the Icarus flight story that if you go, if you think you're all that, you're going to get burned. Well, just also to see how Sam has learned to handle his brother. He's if, grown. If you look back at earlier seasons, rather than learning to handle him, not that Dean's a child, but sometimes there's a little bit of uh, contentious behavior between the two of them. And in the earlier seasons, it was more like siblings fighting with each other. They, yeah. yeah. They, they it always tried to get him to do it his way. Right. Let's and, talk about it right now. How many times have we heard Sam say that? And that's not how Dean deals with things. No. So to see a Sam that is able to be more diplomatic he's learned that the best way to get things from dean is by doing things a certain way like what we saw in this episode rather than sitting down next to him on his bed and say come on dean let's talk tell about me it. about it tell me about your problems brother what he does instead is is bait him with a case that he knows he will like it just shows the maturity to sam and his growth as a character more than simply stating oh sam you're a leader now Right. You know, which some shows would do something like that. Instead, you see a moment like this. And of course, the ending where Dean essentially accepts his leadership, which was that's huge. fantastic. Talk about growth as a character to see Dean even willing to let Sam be the official leader. And he's like, I'm here. Whatever you need. That's think, growth. That's I th- growth. I think we we saw that transition, you know, and I think that's the biggest part about it is that. We've seen Sam go from taking Dean's lead to being the one in charge. And I think now we see yeah. the full. And I think at first I thought it would it would bother Dean because Dean likes to be the one that's, you know, the leader of what's going on. But I think we saw with Michael taking over Dean and kind of dropping him back a peg or two. I think he's okay with letting Sam take the lead on that. Well, in truth, that's you, actually a good point. Like, it, it, you, you I'm, have not, that. I'm not necessarily 100% sure if that's what they're doing, no, but, but I, that would make sense. Like, let's, we already know that he feels guilty. Maybe he feels he's making the wrong calls. Let mm-hmm. someone else. Right. And I think when you have that, when you have that mentality of like, you know, I'm the leader, I'm the alpha male, and you start making these decisions and you start getting people hurt yeah. or the decisions go the wrong way, you start to doubt that decision making. And I well, think who wouldn't right? any normal human being would. And I think that's where we get to see the natural. human side. It's natural. We get to see that human side of Dean where it's like, Hey, I made these wrong decisions. I made the call to let Michael in and yeah, I got the job done, but then it also cost us as well. So maybe that might not have been the best decision. I'm, right. Sam is now the one leading all these people and they look up to him and they, they, he takes charge of, of this whole situation. Maybe I should back up and let him make these calls and see what happens. And I don't know if they're going that route, but it would totally make sense, especially with what we've seen, how Dean has reacted in the last, you know, couple episodes. Well, I also think it kind of plays into where Dean came from in the original run of the show, where he always answered to their dad. He's always yeah. been a little bit more of a soldier. Him taking over and being a parent to Sam, he's going through that transition where you were always the protector, always the provider, always had to be there to keep him safe. But as they get older, as they grow into their own person, as Sam is doing now as the leader, Dean has to take that step back. And you're right. I think it's twofold. I think, A, he does fear making more mistakes as he has recently. Well, mistake is a subjective. It's 50-50. 
Yeah. But he also sees that Sam is growing beyond Dean. He He's becoming a leader of for his own far person. greater number of people. He is, he's learned all he can from Dean mm-hmm. in and, a lot of ways. And, and he's, he's ready for helping others. He doesn't need to be under Dean's wing anymore. Yeah. And I don't think that's a sign of weakness. I think that's a no. sign of strength. I feel like Dean doesn't need to be a leader. I feel like he's the kind of guy that needs his his opinion to be heard. That's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Let him speak. But I don't think that's a weakness. And I know there are some people that are arguing that on Twitter. Not today, just in general after the mm-hmm. episode. You know, that oh, Sam is the leader. And Dean, they're painting Dean as weak. I'm like, That's I, not how it works. I, I feel like strength comes in different packages. There's people that are leaders and there's people that are not not, not yeah and i'm not saying they're followers i'm just saying that just not necessarily a leader and also is dean really in the right state of mind right now to be making leadership calls so all of this well, just forget for a moment that we're, we're debating fictitious characters okay but just l- look at the logic side of it logically this currently makes sense well truthfully i ask you when has dean been a leader Season one. Really think about that. He's been a brother to Sam and he's been in charge. When has Dean been a leader to groups of people? Even his penis leads him. Oh, I mean, mine does. He's always been there for Sam, but he was never the guy to lead the the charge. He was never the guy to do that. He has always been the one that this is my responsibility. I will shoulder this burden and I will do it alone. That's the mark of Cain. That has always been. What Dean does, to the detriment of himself, even, Sam has been the one who has shown to think beyond just the two of them and do things a different way, take things slower, a more tactful approach. Again, there's nothing saying that's wrong, but but Dean is not a leader in that sense. That doesn't mean he's a follower, but he's not the same person. Yeah, everyone's different. And we're, we're starting to see that branch a little bit more obviously now that other people have been involved well all of this makes sense and you brought up a great point saying when did we ever see dean really be a leader and he's always been someone that needs a direction he needs a he needs something enemy he needs something to do he needs a target Uh, and sam's always been that person from the very first moment he was introduced he's that guy that breaks the board collective he wants to break free. He wants to think for himself. I don't want to be told. Plan. I want to blaze my own path. I don't care about this path. I don't care about dad's journal. This is what we need to do. We need to question dad. We can't just trust we him. We need to work together. We're not just going to go in there blind. Why is he treating us like children? Right. So even though they both have had their fair share of growth as characters over the past 14 seasons, where we're at right now with Sam and Dean makes perfect sense from what we saw based on what we saw. From the very first season. Yeah. It works. It's a very organic feel to this characters. It's a natural progression. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So, guys, we have talked about all kinds of different things here on Supernatural, but we can literally talk about it for days. And we have on our Patreon page. So if you want to become an elite Crossroads listener, pledge on Patreon. By pledging, not only do you gain access to more Supernatural-themed broadcasts, but you help us keep doing what we're doing every single month. And if you want to watch the live stream video every show, then pledge $15 a month and gain access to the live video feed along with the quarterly gifts and every additional piece of Crossroads content we put out each and every month. 
If you just want the video cast, pledge $10 and gain access to our Season 1 retrospective discussions and breakdowns, including specialty shows. You also gain access to everything from the $1 to $5 tiers, like the bonus Crossroads podcast, the Crossroads pre-show, the Cinematography of Supernatural, and the 10 Minutes at the Crossroads minicast. Pledge today and gain access to all of this and more over on patreon.com slash Digital. That was the best segue into a live read I think you've ever had. Like <laughs> One we, year, I was going to get it right once. Once, right. That was good. I've, I've peaked. You've peaked. You're fucked now. <laughs> You're, you will never do that well again. Yep. Thanks for that, Ryan. Thanks for the confidence. Good segue, though. Well, someone's got to do good. I'm speaking like a fake Brit. <laughs> I'm having. Uh, he's trying to prove he's I'm not in strokes. the show. I'm having strokes. He's, he's over there obsessing over that picture. It I look don't like look like that, <laughs> dude. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. I hate him. I don't even hate him. I you didn't know what hate would the make character. Him even more him is he's gonna go troll the actor on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know what bums me out is I would play into this if I thought I looked like the guy. I don't look like him. You look like him. I don't look like yeah, that, you dude. Do. You don't look like your identical twins, no, but you but look like enough. your buddies. You look like you could be friends. You know how friends sometimes it looks have like if, similar clothing, similar facial hair. Don't squint, Demi. Look at you and all like your baseball did. buddies. If we fucking did a casting call right now for a Ryan Denton what lookalike. What kind of casting call? A Ryan Denton lookalike. Casting couch? No, not in this social climate, Ryan. Not in this one. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. But if we tried to get an actor that looked like you, this would be our first pick. I, I, I just don't see it, man. Yeah. I think Bobo as executive producer was trolling your photos. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? These guys didn't like last season. Fuck these guys. You know, they always talk about blue Why fire. Why would they pick me? Why wouldn't they pick the biggest asshole sitting to my left? Because you're the loudest one, though. Exactly. So that you are an easy target. So Baron's like, yeah. This so, guy, Ryan, so what you're Ryan, saying is Bobo likes low-hanging fruit. Also, also, you post a lot of selfies. So there's not a lot of evidence for of what me and Thomas there's look like. little evidence on social media that I exist yeah so you post a lot so you're easy so they're probably oh Ryan Denton crossroads all right uh beard douchey looking chin right. douchey looking chin <laughs> what you actually have a strong it's in, chin it's I'm in the just, it's in the I description just, I just didn't know what I, don't, I look like less of a loser than Thomas does without a beard I will not argue that it's true <laughs> I can't yeah. shave this without no people. You, you look like a Chomo. <laughs> I look terrible. You said it, not me. Anywho, wow. outside of Ryan's fantastic casting in this episode, another highlight for, I think, all of us, and I think fans as well, something that you don't pick up on at first, is that this episode was just Sam and Dean alone for once. Now, that's not to say we don't love the other characters. We Obviously, we love Castiel. We love Jack and Mary second Bobby uh, fake Bobby I don't know about so much yet yet eh, fine. the jury's still yet. out on him but it truthfully it was I might deport him back to apocalypse <laughs> world soon here and then build a wall around that portal okay Trump so he can't where's his green card oh my god hey you don't belong here either way it was <laughs> it was nice to have this story a little bit more focused on Sam and Dean, 100% this episode. Billy the Reaper comes into the episode. Papers, please. Papers. Oh. All right, you, you gotta go. You don't, Come on, you, get on the bus. You don't belong here. You don't belong. Oh. Get back with your crew, create a caravan, and take your ass right <laughs> through that portal. Jesus. What? They just wall up the rift. Now, we know that a lot of people, ourselves included, <laughs> talked about supporting characters in season 13 just being there. 
to be there. Yeah. And while we loved the, some of those characters, if not all of them, it didn't mean that they should have been part of the story or they would detract from it in some way. And we had a lot of fans also talk about Sam and Dean becoming window dressing for their own story. So with this, it was nice to have that change a little bit. It's what Supernatural was for so many years. And yes, the show cannot stay the same. So no one is saying anything negative about that. But when the writers can find moments naturally to bring us to just Sam and Dean are the ones that we're watching. They're the story we're paying attention to. I think it's I think it's appreciated. Yeah, and I agree with you. And there's no question that we love Castiel. We love Jack and we love Mary more than I think 90% of the rest of the fandom. But <laughs> but those are great points. Thomas, you realize when you watch an episode like this, you realize just how much the show doesn't really need all that background noise. I didn't even notice and that's that sounds like I was absent-mindedly watching. And look how focused this episode felt like. I was just I was so involved in Sam and Dean yeah. and the horror and the humor and Ryan. There was just so much relevance to this episode that I yeah, maybe in the writing room they're like, "Hey Davy, this is a uh, filler. This is a monster of the week. Make it make it sparkle. Make it shine, Davy." Mm-hmm. But Davy turned it into something far more than just a monster of the week. There was there was a lot of substance. There was a lot of development. There's a lot yeah. of fleshing out of our characters. And when you look at how simplistic this episode was in terms of guest spots, they brought in two capable guest stars that were not there to distract, but were used to pair off with our leads. And by doing so, we had some laughs and learned something from each character. One, Dean loves horror movies because he knows the bad guy will lose. How sad is that? Dude, that that was one of those sentences that I, as he said it, I kind of laughed, but then I was like, it just speaks oh, volumes. Fuck. That's how you fucking write an episode. You don't need to have this long spiel of why I feel this way. That one statement that took three seconds says volumes. And that's really sad when you think about it. And it also shows that Davey has the ability to really What's the word I'm looking for? It, it slipped my, yes. On what's really making these characters tick. And to again, to where it feels organic. And then number two, Sam was seen with a real smile. Not that fake Sam smile where he's trying to be polite. A real smile for the first time in who knows how long when he made that homemade bomb. That was cool. And he obviously Dude, thought was it was so cool, cool as well. I That, the bomb aspect was awesome. I love when we see like Sam and Dean doing little things like that little militia things that their father taught them when they were children. But also just that little moment. I don't know if it was in the script or if it was something Eamon decided to do on the set, but having Sam have a sincere smile and almost like sharing a good moment with the girl who's essentially him. Yeah. I thought that was a strong way to really bring out some, some, uh, and Some the great guy, moments. the other guy, the friend of Stuart, who's essentially Dean at that time, talking about their favorite movies and yep. why they like him. Yep. And it's little moments like that that are a great way to character build with your supporting actors, with your guest spots. That's how you write them. Those little touches bring out support our main characters. Dean had no one to say that to until this guy talked to him about it. Yeah. And it's it it allows us to get a little bit more, like you said, 
so much more understanding of Dean and why because even I was I was on Sam's camp. Mm-hmm. Why do you like these movies when oh, that is shut your up. life? No, no, no. When that is every day of your life, yeah. That's kind because of why it, would you want to watch that? But Dean saying that one little thing, knowing the bad guy will lose, when you think back to what has happened in their life, that that's dark. That I understand. And we know that Dean lives in the past. He hangs on to his childhood, the childhood he never had. And to just hear that, it's heart wrenching. And you connect with the character and it brings it brings relevance to an episode, as I was saying, that's just for the most part, probably in the writing room, it was planned as just a simple monster of the week. But this is why it's so important to have those writers, those writers that aren't just your big guns, but also on the bench that when they are, it's time for them to just fill a week, play the game. They know what they're doing. And that's something we have. We have not had second stringers like this in a very long time. I don't think since good ones season three, where we had second stringers that were fucking dynamite writers we're getting there with Jesus, this new that's a team long time ago and maybe a lot of this had to do with uh you know maybe some of the problems issues with season 12 and 13 had to do with that had to do with the fact that there wasn't enough in fact we might have said that i think that the, the experience in the room we wasn't there it's an all new writing staff the there was a, an exodus after season 11 when yeah. carver left and there was very few people remaining and now for the last two years it, it feels like dab barons singer uh, Lemming Buckner are all working to 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 Steady sharpen the boat. Yeah, to, and to sharpen these uh, these new writers, these up and coming writers. Because even Meredith Glenn has gotten so much better. A lot better. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's not simply the writing that sold us this mm-hmm. episode. It's also the directing. I mean, one thing that is clear about Eamon is that is his is his ability to work with the cinematographer. Yep. To create the appropriate ambience the appropriate tone, the appropriate motif for an episode. And I, again, I, as, as I essentially say Perez and him, their script, their directing synergy is great. Last year's breakdown was fantastic. Yes. It was a fantastic example of this. But now we've got this episode, which also demonstrates his ability and know-how as a director beyond just the one shining example of breakdown we we see it again strike well, to, gold again well to do it once is 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 awesome but to do it again and strike gold with something that like you said is 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 pretty rare um absolutely it is. especially you know nowadays on this on any show so i think the fact that these guys work really well together and we've seen two instances now of a really, really solid episode mm-hmm. with things that we like and things that bring us back to old school supernatural is a recipe for them to, if they keep going this route, is from moving from the second string onto the first string. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I think what they, now that they've done two really solid episodes, it's time to give them something big. Well, we said before that Perez was definitely one of the secret weapons. It's going to happen. The dab has. Yeah, I think season finale, mid-season finale, something oh. you know, something. I don't know about season finale. That's, that's usually, that's usually a, show a showrunner thing, but uh, hey. we don't want Dab to do that. So oh. yeah, let's oh. go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and give that to those guys. Yeah, no, I I would definitely like to see Barons and, and Perez start taking on some some bigger some bigger episodes. Well, you see, like how much detail and how much fun they had with the story within a story with. All Saints Day, the series in this episode, creating that world within a world 
is is difficult because it's we already know we're watching a show. So to pull that off to where you can have a trailer to that we the fake trailer a show ama- within a show amazing. that we're watching, saying like, man, I would I would watch I, I would have watched it. I would have watched I it. I fucking love it. Dude, I was actually really surprised they went with the route with the dude's knee on the ground and him just hitting it. That was pretty that was brutal. brutal. I yeah. loved that. I, I was like, whoa, that's not what I, yeah. you know. They definitely put a lot of effort into creating this this world. And we have had not we have not had moments like this since episodes like, you know, Carver Edlin's books or even the Ghost Facers where you create your own pop culture. I think it's a sign of just great writing and forethought that you're just adding more layers to your world. There's, it just feels more immersive when you create these types of things. The fact that they even made those fake trailers. Put the effort in. Yeah. It just shows that they were really committed to selling this episode as a, as a brand. And these, ty- these are the type of moments that define a series and create potential new revenue streams. And this is something we always talk about. There's a lot of, of potential here yeah. uh, the creation of the faux horror icon david yeager the chosen weaponry and mask the way dean was dressed i mean it was branded like a horror film you had those definable moments that we all know will become iconic you had the villains like freddy cougar's infamous striped shirt jason and his hockey mask michael myers and his mask but many times you have the heroes and their garb as well like dewey the dopey sheriff from scream Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver's classic Alien 2 look. Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, dude, so many people dressed up as Shaun of the Dead and at my work Dean, this year. And now Dean with a checkered jacket wielding an axe. And the glasses. And there is no other reason to dress Dean in a checkered jacket the way Something he was dressed. Something he'd never wa- He's never dressed that way. They were trying to make a statement because I'm telling you now, this is going to be a... a a Funko Pop vinyl. Absolutely. It's also going to be the next big cosplay. Dork, dorky Dean. It'll be the cosplay for the next major supernatural convention. You're going to see it. It's very smart branding and marketing. These are the types of episodes that do those types of things. Well, it was like when Dean was dressed up as the as the um, the high school gym. Oh, coach. the high school gym coach. Again, yeah. same thing. It's, yeah. it's the same type of idea. Well, right? the other yeah. thing that I loved about it with the fake trailers too was that it had a little bit of that Kripke era meta well-placed tongue-in-cheek because some mm-hmm. of the scenes in those trailers were from previous supernatural episodes yep which did you guys catch that the first time you oh, watched yeah. it yep. i'm like i know i don't remember the exact episode I but i know I, that exact fucking scene i picked up on the truck the first. truck the yeah. blood splatter across the wall yeah. the knife dipped in the blood like all of those were from previous episodes and it's that's something that kripke would have done if he was still on the show the haunted truck was yeah. in there as well yeah yeah all of those things, each one of those elements, and you, you're absolutely Mike, right, Mike. Those are going to be Funkos. Those are going to be cosplays. I think David Yeager and the entire All Saints Day thing could be something bigger than they think. It really originally could. thought, at least. It really could. They really could like do something else with it, even if it's a show within a show, and they turn into oh, an alternate holy. universe and they go uh, last action hero style. There, cool. there literally is I so many things they can do with this. Well, I think some of that comes down to how he fucking looks. Yeah, that was really well done. You could have easily gone with some generic mask or something like that, that and would have been an easy way out. It yep, or something. But the special makeup effects in this episode created a fucking great slasher monster. Yeah. And and they borrowed various elements from different iconic villains to create something new, different, 
fun yeah. all at the same time. It looks great. Now, we're not exactly sure who did the majority of the work on this, but it was creepy. I saw the still image of the wax statue in the in the hospital bed before I had watched the episode. Mm-hmm. And even I was like, what the fuck is that thing? That That was iconic to me. That is a great example of something that can live well beyond the show in its own respects it was great work i'll send an email out and see who was behind it either way it's it's got to be either ben caruth the guy who we spoke with about uh or spoke with about uh the wayward sisters mm-hmm. effects or it could have been leanne podvin she's uh also on that team but it doesn't really matter as you were saying who did it the work was exceptional and and not just because they took two different versions they had the movie version where the guy actually talks and he's got prosthetic makeup on and he looks all torn up and horrifying. Yeah. But they also have the, the costume, costume yeah. the, the wax figure that Dean actually fought. I loved all of it. That well, looks loved, completely different. It looked, comple- it looked like a, 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 a straight up wax figure. Like yeah. that, Which was creepier. It, it was creepier. No I, facial I like movements or anything. Better. Yeah. I did yeah. too. Yeah. It, it's unsettling. It's got that uncanny. Everything about it moves like it should. And when he touches the button to talk, I'm like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's unnatural and it works. It's a, And this is something I talk about when I discuss slasher films, but it, it was a perfect, perfect mix of skeevy and scary. It was, ooh, yeah. it's just, it's grotesque. Yeah. Because we don't know what he's wearing. Is that a leather face he's wearing? Is that someone's skin? What's over his face? I know, right? Yeah, it, it's good. Is it, is it like melted to his face? And those are the things that I always ask when I'm watching horror movies i'm like how did the villain get this fucked up yeah like i'm the i care about that for some reason and that was one of the things that i loved how he looked in this episode it was great design work i want the that that standing figure for the oh, studio man. oh god fuck that dude I, if if they're selling it i will buy it for the studio <laughs> just have it over here on the side it's behind it's, the lamp it's gonna be this is gonna be one of those episodes that you go back and you remember like Ghost Facers, mm-hmm. possibly to some, the Scooby-Doo episode. Well, that uh, black and white monster Dracula yeah. classic one. Yep. This I'll be, remember this more than that, probably. Well, this, to me, has a lot more substance to it than that one. That's a great episode, but I feel like this one does a lot more for our characters. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and they put so many different references to other works throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you have an article that lists some of those. Yeah, I'll go through them. Go there. through that. Yeah. And, um, and let's uh, boo the ones, because this is from comicbook.com, Ryan, and you and I both have. Uh, yeah. Uh, some of these are. Some of these are dumb. And, I, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll, We both hate on these non Easter egg Easter eggs that yeah. everybody posts nowadays. Oh, 25 Easter eggs you didn't catch in a movie. You notice it was. Uh, I'm like, hey, comics. bro, that's not an Easter egg, dude. That's, that's yeah. barely a reference. So, well, so name everyone they have and we'll do booze. Decide or if it's. Yeah. good or not so there's nine of them um the first one is very obvious they're in a comic book store and there's comic books now this now obviously it's called setting but, well, well hold on let, let me hold on hold on because this one actually is relevant let me finish here because I, I will defend not, you're, you're this not one. the fucktard on this one i know no no i'll defend this one because I, I understand what you mean by that by it being setting but it's not just the comic books it's the the comic books that they that they show you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this image they use is this image of sam sitting in front of a some long boxes of comics and there's flash Ragman, who was on arrow mm-hmm. recently uh you've got justice league so you've got green lantern you've got characters that 
technically are on the CW universe or options of them. So they could do something. So that, that one works with what they showed. So I remember seeing Batman on the walls. I remember seeing a few things where, mm-hmm. yeah, but was, are those really Easter eggs though, that are relevant to supernatural really. setting? Not really. It's yeah. more setting. Yeah. Um, the second one obviously is, uh, Panthro, uh, the Thundercats character, um, uh, a 14 inch collectible figure from Mezco toys. See, that's not a, See, Easter here's egg, the, thing. Though. the true Easter egg would have been what Dean said, if anything, or it's not even Easter egg. It's a reference puppet master, right? The reference to the dolls coming to life That's or right. the Chucky like aspect, Master. that yep. is a reference is that, that one this even guy on that didn't list? even pick yeah. up. He's just like, Panthro's from Thundercats. That's not an Easter egg. That's just a thing, they dude. They literally said it's the Thundercats. It's a yeah. fucking prop. <laughs> uh, the next one uh, is Hatchet Man. Um, in a way, Hatchet Man feels like an uh, amalgam of a bunch of different horror movies. It's not an Easter egg. Again, That's inspirational not, cues. I think maybe like... This is a terrible The mask of... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's like one or two in here, though. The, uh, actual. the, the Easter egg that I know it better be on there, or I'm gonna burn down comicbook.com. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> is the uh, the Red Hood. That's a, yes. that's an Easter egg because that's connected to Jensen Ackles. That's the an Easter one? egg, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm gonna skip the next one because it's dumb. It's just is reference. there any relevant Easter eggs on that list? The one that Red one, Hood, not Red Hood, uh, <laughs> maybe Fist of the North Star because that's an ex- uh, obscure anime. Yeah, but it's not an Easter egg. Was there a Fist that of the they, North Stars ever that listed? They mentioned it. It was I, just that for them to mention something that obscure, like obscure is I would consider that an Easter egg because it is so obscure. Not a lot perhaps. of people know about it, it. Not an Easter egg, but a reference, yeah. like the Puppet Master and, one. That's and, Puppet but the Jensen, not a but the big Jensen movie. Red Hood one, and, and of course, so uh, yes, this one absolutely is an Easter egg. But I'm going to shoot down the person who wrote the article because it says, of course, Jensen Ackles previously voiced the character in Batman Under the Red Hood and, the, and recently dressed as a character for Halloween. While it doesn't look like this is the, exactly the same as Ackles' costume, well, you're wrong because it, it is. It's exactly, it's exactly identifical. Identifical. I like yeah. that one. It's so identical you could fuck it. Yes, <laughs> it's the exact fucking yeah. costume. Whoever, I, I, I'm gonna go. Burn Who wrote it down. this? I'm Hold gonna on. go burn it down. I'm gonna call I'm gonna go out. burn it down. I'm calling him out right now. I'm going to find their name. Hold on. See references. Jenna. Jenna Anderson. <laughs> you wrote this article. You're terrible. Yeah, I'm sure if they sat. I'm sure if I sat down and watched the episode. For the purpose of just Easter eggs, I can probably come up with about oh, fifteen. You can come up with way more. Fifteen real. Maybe we should do that. Real Easter eggs. Maybe we should for Patreon. An article or something on the site. A real Easter, Easter egg. egg and horror movie but, references. But this is what so many blogs have Fortnite's turned into. Reference the most yeah. popular fucking multiplayer game of the year. Yeah, pop culture references it, are not Easter eggs. And now, now, if he would have started doing a Fortnite dance, that would have been a little bit. Different. I would even call that an Easter egg. Though. No, that's just a would. thing. Yeah, that's just a thing that happened. Yeah, an Easter egg an would be if there was a comic of Negan. You know what an Easter egg would have been? In the in one of the comic book shelves, there was the Walking Dead comic, and Negan was on the cover. One and of, it was Jeffrey that, Dean Morgan. That actually one of, cool, yeah. that's one of an Chuck's Easter egg. books on the shelf in the comic shop. That's an Easter egg. Yeah, these are references, pop culture references. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, now that that article was now a, we'll was never a do comic, comic book. Well, it, ra- it raged us. That was a complete waste of fucking time. <laughs> Glad I pulled that article up and wasted. Well, let, let's not go to break. We need to we need to wrap this up soon. So why don't you just jump into uh, the thoughts from Facebook, Thomas? Ooh. All right. Give me just one. If we're second. ready for that, because there was a few there. I posted it late, so I don't think we have a lot on uh, there. There's just a few, but we'll start right away. Uh, Nicole Clark says, I thought this was a solid Monster of the Week episode. I love the Easter eggs, especially the Red Hood costume. There we go. Thank See, you. 
people got it. Listeners are, are smart. Like comic book. I'm not going to go who, there. Who wrote this? Who wrote this one? Nicole? <laughs> Nicole Clark. Yeah, she should write for comic book. She'd do a better She'd job. She'd do a better job. Uh, I thought this episode was funny, but also had some scary moments, or maybe even just a baby, LOL. <laughs> I think having a lighthearted episode not only gives the audience, but the characters a chance to breathe. I think Dean needed something like this to help him get back to normal, back in the groove of things after Michael. Like he says, he needed a win to feel like he was back in control. And all things we touched on, absolutely on point with that one. Uh, Kathy Waters says, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I laughed so much. My cheeks hurt when it was over. <laughs> the matching costumes uh, chat was hilarious. <laughs> that was great. It was. Sam flipping off Dean or maybe Jared to Jensen. So subtle. Nods to Jared's horror movies, Jensen's Jason Todd, previous episodes and seasons, other CW See, shows. That's an Easter egg. Yeah. See, listeners know what Easter eggs are. Jesus Christ. Uh, fabulous visual effects and creating a movie within the show complete with trailer. LOL. I'm sure J2 had a blast with this one. Myth Maverick rules says it was heavy handed, but we've had funny type episodes be heavy handed before. It was nice to just relax and laugh again. Not, uh, not make the brothers take everything so serious and emotional. Enjoyed trying to count all the Easter eggs and references and agree. The story of why Sam hated Halloween. was a bit weak. But on the plus side, at least they remembered he hated it. Clear back to uh, clear back to the pilot episode, at least. Finally had an episode without all the parentheses, uh, unless they're just there to fill time. Apocalypse universe people in the bunker and Jack whining and griping about the same thing with Cass over and over. Please send them all back to the apocalypse universe, including Mary and not our Bobby. All right. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair to Jack, it was two episodes. That he was unhappy that he didn't have power. We did also say that we were hoping they didn't turn him to an angsty teen. And they didn't. She says, even though the brothers were separated, they were finally alone together at the end, in the end, at in the car. So well, she gave like, it a B. Yeah, so it seems like most people enjoyed it. I think so. And she's right. It's, it is nice to have that laughing moment. You need to give yeah. them a break. I mean, that's that's one of the main aspects of horror. You ratchet up the tension. Things get really shitty, and then you have a down period. And this episode essentially is that for us right now. Yeah. So with that, I think it's time for final thoughts. Ryan, what do you overall give this episode? Uh, I'm going to give this one an A. This was, uh, you know, I'll give it a grade because I know Mike won't. Um, I enjoyed this episode. I think, I know we use the word filler or whatever, but honestly... This was a well-written, well-timed. It was at a good time after seeing Dean come back. This was a good episode of of just like Sam said, or, or Dean said, getting a win. Um, the movie within a movie or a movie within a show, like it was so well done. It had mm-hmm. the cheesy, eight, the, you know, flat slasher vibes to it. It had the, the, the slasher villain that was so like... A lot of effort went into that. Yeah, there was a lot of effort for something that was only going to show up once that we know of. Um, I enjoyed all the the same tropes of slasher. You know, oh, the girl tripping and falling, and the you know, there's and then, no one here in the hospital. Oh my to god! Help me. Oh my god! I'm in and, a hospital. And the black dude saying, "You better run, girl." <laughs> yeah, I love exactly. that. Yeah, I love that. But it's they funny even, that's that the attention to detail. They you even, gonna die, yeah. bitch. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I started laughing so hard. I'm like, yes, they even put the black dude in. I fucking love it. It was, it was so well done. And then to watch the 
parallel with the dude running through and all, having all the cameras yeah. and they're not paying attention. So funny, dude. I just loved, I love, love, love. I love the fact that they went with, you know, they stayed with the supernatural lore with the ghost lore and the, and the salt and the, and the dumbass running away when he was told to stay put. That's classic, the, the slasher. classic slasher. I think everything about this was just so well done for something that was so, um, you know, just a one episode or monster of the week. Right. Yeah. One and done, essentially. One and, done yeah. essentially. and I think that's what makes it really super smart. Um, you know, uh, yes, I can see the parallels with the dude that worked in the comic book shop. I don't think I look like him, but I, there are some things that he said that I thought were pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the, the overall, and I said it before, I enjoyed the overall theme of, of Sam and Dean being nerds and, 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 and trying to suppress it, but they both know they're geeks. And I think I love that. And just seeing it when they walk into these these situations or they make these pop culture references and you know that they're total dorks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I love about their characters and how much we've seen them grow since season one where it's really bleak and everything is like, you know, shit, we're going to die to, hey, we can actually crack a few jokes while we're doing this and it's okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this episode, man. I thought this was, was – so I, I, I personally didn't think you guys would like it. Um, I don't know why. I just thought because of the cheese or whatever, you guys weren't going to be into it. But I don't I, mind cheese as long as it's smart. Yeah, and I think think that's where they got it right. They yeah. got the they got the cheese right by making it smart and 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 to the actual genre of what they were doing. So I enjoyed it. A a for me, big time. All right, Mike. What about you? Final thoughts? I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a grade. Oh, I'm going to stop my your protest. My protest. Don't let the internet rule you. Yeah, I, I will not do. I will not be an asshole any longer. <laughs> oh, okay. I will give this episode a solid A. Okay. This episode had all the elements I love. All the reasons why I love TV. All the reasons why I love Supernatural. All the reasons why I love the cinema. It had all of it. And it, it wasn't just a haphazard attempt to create something hip. These are two dudes that get it. Eamon and Davey are the team to beat. They're fucking unstoppable. Yeah. Barons is still my favorite, but I'm just saying that Eamon and Davey, where the fuck did they come from? <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> Out of nowhere. These guys have a fantastic future. I hope they do not leave Supernatural. I am anxious to see how Davey grows, how Eamon grows. Typically, Davey have just written some of my favorite episodes, and this is more the same. It's a guy that understands movies. He understands mm-hmm genre entertainment uh, and also the work done by Leanne Podvin and Ben Carruth and the entire special makeup effects team they continually surprise us with new character designs yep. and whether or not this will be the new candidates I still think candidates is the I think that's, oh, that's the, the thing to beat I think right that's now. the bar but and I don't know until maybe the end of the season where I would rate this one. But I just love the the overall development of of the of the baddie, the dude that went mm-hmm. around killing people, the hatchet uh, man, uh, and just the attention, the detail, the fact that they spent so much time and it couldn't have been easy. This is tedious. The fact that the entire team worked together to create a world within a world that's not an easy task to do when you're dealing with TV network deadlines. Hey, you got a week to get this done. Yeah, uh, a week to create this entire world. What? Yeah, and they managed to do it with style, and it was an episode not just full of style, but it was style with substance. It, yes, it was a monster of the week, technically. Yes, it was a filler episode, technically. But these are the episodes that are 
that Supernatural is famous for. These Monster of the mm-hmm. Week episodes where they not only give us something fun, but they also bring those real moments. Those are always the best episodes for me. All right. A. Uh, this episode, I, I piggybacking off a lot of what you said, Mike, it is a great homage to 80s slasher movies. It's a great example of how you can take something and have fun with it and make it your own. Having this different genre mix into it without dropping the ball in other aspects. I think this is a great comparison to some of the weaker episodes we personally had from season 13 with the gangster mafia episode or the Scooby-Doo one that broke canon to fit Scooby-Doo. This one had the canon established in Supernatural fit in a world to bring the 80s slasher vibe to life that not only didn't change the lore for Supernatural but fit into our characters where they're at in this time in their life their personalities, a little bit of them as children and what we've learned or known about them for years all played a huge part in this episode. The, the, while I'm not a fan of the 80 slasher movies, traditionally I can respect them for what they are, even if I find them corny. Yeah. And the attention to detail that went into this, the work that went into this, we have a, two different versions of a completely original slasher character that could very easily be its own thing outside of this show the something we didn't touch on the visual effects of the ghost that fiery orange skeleton something we've seen killing of a ghost time and time again that looked awesome i forgot about that i backed that up and rewatched that i just remembered it now truthfully yeah and yeah you know what i feel bad we didn't discuss that but that's a great scene and good job for you know adam and the crew that was fantastic that was a two second thing a three second thing on a death for a, a monster we've seen time and time again and they put the effort into it. The references beyond just it takes place in a comic book shop. <laughs> but the actual touches to things like Scream and Halloween and, you know, a yeah. nice costume buddy and we just move past it. So much of that was great in this episode and the the two episodes in one essentially with All Saints Day and and, and how much time was put into that and how much Davey Perez and Eamon Catterall, feel like a new duo that are should be watched. Absolutely. It was great. I loved it. So for this one, this one's going to be an A for me as well. Y'all Dang. better look out for Eamon and Davey. They're coming to get you. They're coming for that booty. <laughs> you better run. <laughs> better cover up that booty. See, is he? Yours is more like the hatchet man. You better run. Yours is like more of a sexual thing. <laughs> yeah. Or are they one of the same? You better run. You better run, because I'm coming for that booty. Oh, Jesus. I'm coming for that ass. Coming for that ass, motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> motherfucker. All right, that's going to do it here for us at Supernatural The Crossroads. We want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter to see pictures of Ryan in this episode. Not me. <laughs> you little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.